The greatest lack in the American church today is not volunteers or preachers or seminaries or Bibles or even money. Our greatest lack is the knowledge of who the Holy Spirit is. It is the thing we most need. It's not by great programs or by powerful orators or by worldly gimmicks that a new spirit of godliness will be born in the church. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost? Hello all and welcome to this Friday's edition of A Victorious Life is Yours. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back as we look at who is this Holy Spirit? Every life needs a purpose to which it can give the energies of its mind and the enthusiasm of its heart. Hello all, and welcome to A Victorious Life is Yours. There is a place here reserved just for you to be inspired, uplifted, encouraged, and strengthened in your daily walk of life in every area of your life, spirit, mind, and body. I'm Renee Marie Jones, your host, and I love and live to empower people to make a difference in their own lives as well as everyone that they come into contact with. So if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's get started, Victorious Ones. Hello all, and welcome to this Friday's edition of A Victorious Life is Yours podcast. Well, I hope everybody has had a great week up to this point. Today is Friday and we love when Fridays come. I know I do because it's the end of a work week, quote unquote, and we get to look forward to our weekend. So this Friday, we're going to um, dive right back into what we started on last week as we began this series, this podcast series, which is called The Missing Link. And we started looking at on last week, the difference between the disciples after Pentecost, which is when the Holy Spirit came upon each of the people that were in the upper room. We looked at the difference. Now, the disciples were quite different after Pentecost than they were before. So before Pentecost, we're talking about a group of men and women especially the men, because it was the women who actually came and told the men about the resurrection of Christ. Okay, men, I know, I just kind of took a jab at you, but it's okay. <laughs> but the apostles were skeptical, doubtful, fearful, carnal, they were argumentative, very fleshly, and very weak, very indecisive before Pentecost. But after Pentecost, as we saw in Acts chapter 2, where Peter, the ringleader, actually gave a commanding and a convicting and a power-packed, bold sermon that he preached, and 3,000 souls were saved as a result of that message. Yes, this was the same Peter who denied our Lord three times. This was the same Peter who would speak irrash irrationally or out of the top of his head or from his emotions or from his, um, you know, just from his mind and not really thinking about what he was going to say. But this same Peter 
was a different person. And we said what was different about them was the fact that now they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus had already told them that when you uh, receive the power from on high, he talked about this in, in Acts chapter 1, and going into two, when you receive the power from on high, you shall be witnesses of me. He also talked about the Holy Spirit being uh, when he comes upon the, the men and the women who were there, that they would be bold. And that was a sure sign that they were different. The common denominator was the Holy Spirit. So we looked at how they were different. We, we looked at how they sought after uh, Jesus, how they... Uh, spent time together, they fellowshiped together, they went from house to house, how they shared uh, their belongings, they shared their goods, there was uh, no lack among the brethren, they fellowshiped daily, they met daily in the, in, the, in the church, and we looked at how there were church houses because they went house to house. So their desire and their zeal for the Lord increased as a result of the Holy Spirit. They were unified, they um, prayed, and they studied the scriptures as well. So, and they went forth in power and the signs and wonders, because as you read the book of Acts, that is what is the most, uh, that was, that's the largest indication that stands out the most, is that Signs and wonders followed the believers everywhere that they went. They did things and God confirmed the word. So being filled with the Holy Spirit upon on the day of Pentecost made a huge difference. So today we're going to look at who is the Holy Spirit. As we have already said that the Holy Spirit is not really talked about that much or taught that much or preached that much in our modern day churches. And it is the Holy Spirit who is now with us because remember Jesus said, I must go, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send another helper. And we'll, we'll, we'll look at that. We'll probably look at that today. If not today, we'll look at it as we go um, further into our study of the missing link, which is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that there's another that's going to come. So I've got, I must leave. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit? And, and the, the, the term Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost is used interchangeably. Uh, Holy Ghost is an older term that was used in the old English. Um, but in modern times and modern era, uh, the term Holy Spirit has, has actually kind of taken the place of that because I, the word ghost, ghost kind of took people, you know, took people off on a loop and in a tantrum. It, when you think about ghosts, you think about, you know, dead people and scary and horror movies and those kinds of things. But the term, the two terms are used interchangeably. Holy Spirit is just what we found, find is used the most, especially in scriptures when you read about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, we know that there's God the Father, God the Son, but how many of you know that God the Holy Spirit? Okay, so when we talk about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, you know, we know that, and, and modern Christianity uh, accepts, and most Christians in Christendom accept the fact that when we talk about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we're talking about what's called the Trinity. Now, the word Trinity is not found in the Bible, not that word Trinity, but the concept of three persons within the Godhead, 
Now the word Godhead, Godhead is in, in scriptures. So when we talk about the Godhead, let's use that term since that's biblical. The Godhead, we're talking about one God, but three persons in the Godhead. Okay. So I don't know if you all are familiar with the song that says God in three persons, blessed Trinity, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. So we're talking about God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit, which is the Godhead composed of three persons. But the oneness, the one, one God, hero Israel, the Lord, our God is one God. And I know it sounds confusing. And for our finite minds, it's kind of hard to understand the concept of the Godhead as being one, but three persons in one. Okay. And we're talking about co-equal. So three distinct people or persons, but equal. Okay, so when we hear the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're not names for different parts of God, but one name for God because there's three persons that exist as God, as one entity, one in essence, one in power, one in equality. They cannot be separated from each one. Now, Perhaps one way to understand the distinction between God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit is when we look at it in locational terms. Okay. So the scriptures, when we first read scriptures, especially in the old Testament, we read about God, the father. And when we think about location, God, the father is in heaven on his throne, God in heaven, uh, our father who art in heaven from the Lord's prayer, hallowed be thy name. Okay. When we think of the son, we know that John tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we were able to handle him and see him and feel him and know him. God, the son, God, the son left the father in order to dwell among us, in order to live among us, in order to, to be born and to die. But then once he died and we looked at that upon resurrection, he returned back to heaven where he now sits at the right hand of the father. Remember uh, when we looked at countdown to Calvary, when uh, Jesus was resurrected and Mary saw him at the tomb and he said, she tried to touch him and he said, don't touch me just yet because I've not ascended back to my father. And in his talking with the disciples and teaching with the disciples and spending time with them. He often talked about the fact that he would go back to his father. He said, I am the bread from heaven. So he is the God son, God, the son of God in flesh, made flesh who came down from heaven, dwelt among us, lived among us. And then upon resurrection, went to sit back to heaven to sit at the right hand of the father. And then we talk about the spirit who comes down from God, because remember, Jesus said to go and wait for the power from on high. And we're going to look at scripture verses where he talked about the Holy Spirit when he comes. Well, the Holy Spirit came from heaven to dwell on earth, to dwell among men. He comes to deal with us, to work in the lives of men and women. He is the member of the, the Godhead who is constantly involved in our day-to-day -day living. He deals with us. Again, we don't hear 
much about the Holy Spirit being in heaven. We hear about the Spirit coming down from heaven to work in the lives of human beings. So let's go back and look at some scripture verses that are going, that's going to show us the actual three distinct uh, people, persons of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So let's go to the beginning, which is in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to start at verse 26. Or before we get there, let's go Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So there we have it, the, the Spirit. And if you have a good Bible, quote unquote, the word Spirit is capital S, not small s. It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the, the waters. The earth was in a chaos form. And we see here that the Spirit of God played a part in the recreation of the world because the, it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, okay, and then God spoke and God began to speak and he kept speaking and things happened as he spoke. But the Holy Spirit was right there as part of creation. When we get to verse 26, it says, then God said, and I want you to note this, let us, let us, capital U, S, make man in our, our, capital O, image, according to our, capital O, likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all of the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So there we see, again, the mention of a Godhead because there's us, meaning more than one, but equal, equal, okay? Let's go over to Matthew or Genesis chapter 11 before we go to Matthew, Genesis 11. So a few uh, chapters over. And um, 11.7. This is the account of the building of the Tower of Babel, which was against God's command after um, the ark and Noah, when they um, were told to disperse. It said that the earth had one language and one speech. They journeyed from the east and they all congregated in a place called Shinar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. So they wanted to build a city. But look at what happens in verse five. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, this is verse six, Genesis eleven six. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they began to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Now, notice it says, and the people are one. This doesn't mean one in number. It means one in unity, one as equality. Okay, and that's key, the word one there. Verse 7 says, come, let us. 
there again we see the word us, but it's capitalized. Let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So there is again the us, which is indicative of the Godhead, which is God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay, we already saw that the Holy Spirit played a part in creation, just as God, Father God did when he spoke, let there be, he said, let there be, God said, God said. What was God speaking? Words. In the beginning was the word, and the word was made flesh. Hmm, giving you all something to look at for later. What am I saying there? That all three persons were represented even in creation. Okay, let's go on. So let's go over to Matthew now, chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, which uh, is in the New Testament. And let's look at the account of the Holy Spirit because we, we you know, the Holy Spirit played a, a, a pivotal part at the baptism of Jesus as well. So it says, uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, then Jesus came, oh, before that, let's go up to 11, verse 11. And this is John talking. John says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And this is key. Talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. John is talking about Jesus. He was the forerunner. He said that when Jesus come, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay. Now let's go down to verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, permitted to be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Then Jesus, verse 16, when he had been baptized, came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. He saw, Jesus saw the spirit. Notice again, the capital S, which was the same thing that we saw in Genesis chapter one, the capital S. He saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Not as a dove or the, the Holy Spirit is not a dove, but the symbol of a dove is often used uh, to symbolize the Holy Spirit only because of this scripture verse here in the scriptures where it talked about that that is what it appeared, that like a dove alighting upon him. Notice the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus there at baptism. So he was there at Jesus's baptism. So there is God the Son, Jesus, God the Holy Spirit, and look at verse 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, notice where the voice came. It came from heaven because as we just said a few minutes ago, when we think about the, the location that we know that Father God is in heaven on his throne. 
we read about that. So here it is. A voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Okay. Then when we go into chapter four, it starts out by saying, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Okay. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So again, when we are looking at um, the, the Godhead, we see that the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, God in three persons, three distinct persons, distinct from one another. Okay, let's look at um, Matthew chapter 12. So that's uh, eight chapters over from where we already are. And um, we can start at verse 31, Matthew cha chapter 12, verse 31. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. This is Jesus speaking. But the blasphemy against the spirit, capital S, will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks against the son of man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, neither in this age or in the age to come. So here Jesus is teaching on what uh, blasphemy is or the unpardonable sin. And just as a side note, people think or will ask the question, well, you know, have I committed the unpardonable sin when I've committed whatever? Well, if you have not blasphemed the Holy Spirit, then you have not committed an unpardonable sin. All sins are pardonable. No matter what you do, no matter what I do, they are pardonable. That's what Jesus died for. He died for the sins that the original sin of Adam and Eve, of, of, of which caused death to come upon you and I and every man, woman, boy and girl that's ever born into the earth realm, as well as the sins that we commit, the sins, plural, that we commit as a result of the seed that was planted in the Garden of Eden. But the unpardonable sin was, and this is what the, the Pharisees were doing, the miracles that Jesus was doing, the Pharisees were saying that he does it by the power of the devil. And Jesus told them earlier in this chapter, he said, well, that can't be because every kingdom divided against itself will be brought to desolation. Satan can't cast out Satan. So he was letting them know not only is that foolish to think that, but also it's an, um, um, an unpardonable sin to attribute the power of the Holy Spirit to the power of the devil, the power of Satan. Okay, so I just wanted to make that clear because that might have been a question in, in some of your minds even like, you know, well, what about the unpardonable sin or have I committed the unpardonable sin or is it possible for me to do so? Well, not unless you just blatantly attribute what you see as the devil, when you see the spirit of God moving and the power of the spirit moving through men and women that you say that's the devil, then that's a different story because that's what the disciples, that's what the Pharisees were doing here. Okay. So we Christians, we, we, we identify with the triune Godhead. We acknowledge that God is the father, that Jesus Christ is our Lord and savior, and that the Holy Spirit is the one who he is the one who indwells empowers and he teaches us 
Okay. When we talk about name again, the Godhead, it's one name again, one name, uh, one name in essence, one name in equality, one name in power, one name, one God, but three persons, Father, Son, God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. I think we'll look at one more and that's, let's look at Acts chapter five before we go on. Acts chapter five, because we're already close there. And um, looking at who is the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter five, verse one, starting with verse one. I remember when I first read this account, it was so crystal clear. The, the, the thing that was really, I, the scripture verse that was really crystal clear to me was when I read Matthew uh, chapter four at the, the baptism of Jesus. It was so clear of, you know, seeing right there for that moment of time, we saw Jesus, God, God, the son, then God, the Holy Spirit who came or was symbolized by a dove lighting upon him, which, which indicated him being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we hear from heaven, God, the voice of God, the father It's like, okay, that made it quite clear. And then I remembered as a little girl hearing that song and I don't know, but you all can, can, uh, can look that up. I, I can't remember the title of the song. I just remember that one little verse that says, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. So there it is right there. So let's look at Acts chapter four, Acts chapter five. This was the other scripture verse that really helped me uh, to understand who the Holy Spirit is and to understand that he too is God, not in a lesser form or not lesser than God the Father or God the Son, but equal to. And the, also the scripture verse about blaspheming, because think about that. Jesus didn't say if you blaspheme God the Father or even if you blaspheme, he said, even if you blaspheme the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven you, but not the Holy Spirit. And I thought about that. I said, wow, the Holy Spirit must be very, very special that God the Father and God the Son determined that you know, you can speak against me and you can speak against my son. But if you speak against the Holy Spirit, that's not going to be forgivable. Acts chapter five. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. So again, talking about personal attributes. And again, here's another aside. Oftentimes, and, and I have unconsciously in times past used the pronoun it when talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is a he. Uh, sorry, New Agers and sorry, feminist. God is not a female. God is a he, the personal pronoun, the masculine pronoun. He is used in reference to God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is not an it. We have to, you know, once hopefully, you know, once we're looking at the missing link and learning about the Holy Spirit, we will change our vocabulary. 
And I'm hoping that even the way that we see the Holy Spirit and that we will become even more aware of who he is and his significance among us. And we're going to look at that, his ministry. Later on, we're going to look at the ministry that the Holy Spirit has with us today. But here we see, and I brought that up because it says that you lie to the Holy Spirit. So we know that the Holy Spirit is not an it. You can't lie to an it. You lie to a person. So he has personal attributes and characteristics. He can be lied to. He can be grieved or blasphemed against. You can't blaspheme against an it. Okay, I hope that makes sense. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. It's very clear right there. The person of the Holy Spirit being the third person of the Godhead. He said, you have not lied to men. You didn't lie to me. And we have to be careful about that because, you know, there's times when we uh, may think that we're being deceptive and untrue and, uh, hip, hip, you know, hypocritical towards men and not quite being honest and open and transparent when talking to men. When in actuality, it's not men that we should be worried about. We have lied to God. We're lying to God. We're being deceiving to God when we're talking to perhaps our pastor or our spiritual leader. We think that we're just looking at the man or the woman that is God's representative. However, just as Peter was standing here, Ananias thought that he was lying to Peter and he said, you haven't lied to me. You lied to the Holy Spirit. You have lied to God. Verse five says, then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. So there again, we see that the Holy Spirit is God. He's the third person of the Godhead. And he has certain qualities and attributes that only are attributed to a person, not an inanimate force. He's not the force of God. He's not even the power of God. He has the power because he is God. The power comes from the Holy Spirit, but he's not the power of God. So I don't want us to get that confused. Okay. So that's who the Holy Spirit is. And also we're, we'll see that in a few minutes that his coming fulfilled prophecy. So the Holy Spirit was prophesied. So now let's go back to into the Old Testament and let's go to Isaiah chapter 44, Isaiah chapter 44 and see what it has to say because the Holy Spirit, as we've already seen, and there's other scripture verses, and this is, this is a study of the missing link, the Holy Spirit, but it's not as in depth. Uh, I don't think that I'm going to go. The Holy Spirit has not led me to go as in depth because all of these other scripture verses and passages are coming to me as I'm thinking about them. And I may throw them out as nuggets just for you to actually go and take a look at. But the Holy Spirit is prevalent in the Old Testament, but more so in the New Testament, because the New Testament was the time and the era of when he was to be 
in the earth realm, moving, having his being in the sons and the daughters of God and the people of God. But we do see him in the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, as we saw already in Genesis, in the book of Genesis. So now in Isaiah chapter 44, starting with verse three, it says, for I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my, there it is, my is capitalized and spirit is capitalized. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Hmm. What does this remind you of as you read this? Anything? Well, let's see. Perhaps it reminds you of Joel, Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. Verse 28, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my, there again, my is capitalized, so is spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. What days were those days? What days was this talking about? It was talking about Pentecost. Acts chapter two was the fulfillment of that. We already looked at that in Acts chapter two. And then he talked about how the presence of the Holy Spirit would be manifested. He said, your uh, sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your old, your young men shall see visions. And it's going to be on your maidservants and your men servants. And so we already saw that the Holy Spirit is available to anyone who desires him to be. He comes to live on the inside of us. But whether or not we allow his power to be manifested through us, whether or not we allow his fruit to be seen in us and his gifts to be manifested. And I know I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but we're going to get to that where we're going to look at what comes from the Holy Spirit. But he's available. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. But whether or not he is being manifested through us is determined by our relationship with him. So Joel chapter 2 was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. I thought that was interesting. So the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is co-equal with God the Father and God the Son but yet distinct. There's some distinctions and we already saw one distinction when we looked at the unpardonable sin. And we see here also that it didn't say you lied to God the Father or you lied to God the Son, but you lied to the Holy Spirit. So this gives us a little bit of context to go on as we look at, continue looking at the missing link. And that is why I said that um, the missing, the Holy Spirit is not really talked about, not really preached about and not taught in a lot of modern day churches. Even though we are now moving into a realm of the manifestations of the power of the Holy Spirit, 
when God pressed the reset button on Pentecost, everything changed. It's like he took the message and the gospel and the manifestation of his presence to a whole nother level. When Jesus said that I must leave so that the Holy Spirit can come, when we see and look at the changes that the Holy being filled with the Holy Spirit makes in the, the lives of men and women who are filled with him, it lets us know that now, today, where we are in the chronos of time, that this is the power and the era of the Spirit. And we're going to see more manifestations of the Holy Spirit in the earth realm. We are, Joel prophesied it. This was in the early church 2,000 plus years ago. It's still being fulfilled more and more every day as we get closer and closer to the coming of the Lord. And you and I have to be and should want to be used of God in the very same way that the disciples in the early church were. We should want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We should want to perform signs and wonders and miracles. We should want to preach the word in boldness, in convicting power. We should want to live a life of victory and not a life of defeat, but a life of power. And all of that is possible when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I hope that you have a, a, a better understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. And I pray, in fact, let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for the Holy Spirit. I pray that over the days to come, that we will have a thirst and a hunger for more of you. And that is more of the Holy Spirit operating, moving in our lives more of the power of the Holy Spirit. Outside of you, Holy Spirit, we can't do anything. We are powerless. We need your power to live right. We need your power to walk right. We need your power to talk right. We need your power to overcome temptation. We need your power to perform signs and wonders and miracles. We need you in our lives. We open up our hearts to you. We open up our, we give and surrender our bodies to be the vessel. You told us that our bodies are your holy temple, that you don't dwell within the four walls of the church, but you dwell within the hearts and the souls of people. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We sing that song all the time, but do we really mean it? You are welcome into my life. You're welcome into my marriage. You're welcome into my children's lives. You're welcome on the job. You're welcome in the classroom. You're welcome in um, every area of my life. I welcome your presence. I need your presence. So I thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please don't take your presence away. Dwell in me, live in me. I want to live and move and have my power and have my being in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Victorious Life is Yours. 
Each week, I will cheer you on to cross your finish lines of victory. You can find me on social media and on my website, reneemariejones.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and comment. Until the next time, victorious ones. <laughs>